everybody, it's time to roll for intent with the creator's corner. And Trevor, I don't mind telling you, I'm exhausted. Really? Why? Yeah. Well, you see that big white van back there? Yeah, you were a regular Pokemon trainer, weren't you? Got to catch all of them, huh? Yeah. Do you you know what shocks me? How many people fall for, hey, does this rag smell like chloroform? I mean, it's they just like fall right into it every time. It cracks me up. I I blame the fact on chloroform usage has fallen out of fashion. So it's all the way back around again. It's like a fad. Yep. It's like bell bottoms. (laughs) I got them. <laughs> I tried. So, who'd you get for us today, Christian? Oh, we have quite the ensemble. We have uh, over fifty percent, or no, at fifty percent, I think, of orcs strong together. Less than fifty percent. I don't know. Forty percent. There we go. We're at forty percent of orcs <laughs> strong together, and I'm at forty percent oxygen right now. I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds that's, right. That's plenty. We are going to allow these fine folks who need no introduction to introduce themselves because, well, that's a lot of talking, and we don't want to. <laughs> and my type is really, really small, and I'm tired, and I don't want to read all that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we have several people that have been here before: Brian Lane, uh, John Holmes, the Parlor Poet. But we have some new faces, and I want to start with some of our new faces today. So, Helen, if you'd be so kind as to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Hi, I'm Helen Savor, she, her, also known as Paper Ninja. I'm a recovering engineer who is unfolding legends in story, table, and paper. Excellent. Connor, how about yourself? Meowdy, y'all. I can't commit to that. Anyways. um... (laughs) (laughs) Keep practicing. (sighs) My name is Connor Burkheiser, <laughs> um, also known as Lonesome Chunk, if you ever see me anywhere on the internet. Um, I am a, a gay artist and writer breaking into the uh, third-party tabletop scene. Uh, I wrote Minotaur's Unleashed and like Cooking Unleashed and hopefully some more Unleashed stuff. Excellent. And Brian, how about yourself? We haven't heard from you for a little bit now. Yeah, I'm an old face on a podcast. I'm not sure how that works. But I'm a physics education researcher by day and a Pathfinder Infinite Master by night. Uh, I'm probably best known for my Pathfinder Infinite products, Ink Finder and Frontiers of Magic. Hey, John, you were You're on the show allowed, not that long ago. No, so he's not allowed yeah. to introduce himself. You just yep. have to know who he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took the watch the previous recording. Yeah. <laughs> John is the the uh, creator of the fantastic Galarian Unseen, or Unseen Galarian, depends on if you're going by the Foundry module errors or not. <laughs> okay, come on, yeah, it's it's John Holmes, it's he, him, I do the, uh, you can't even forget which one's the real name. <laughs> the Galarian Unseen series on Foundry. Um... I'm a brand new Infinite Masters, which I'm very happy to announce. Um, and when I'm not doing all fun writing, I'm very bored doing intelligence and analytics work back home in the UK. Um, yeah. This is the wrong crowd that's, that's for that. Me. We're too stupid. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, says, says all the engineers and the physicists. <laughs> 
Sure. I guess I probably should have said something about that too, because I totally forgot. Uh, John and I became like infinite masters, I think, on like the same day. The same day. <laughs> yeah, we got I... inducted. <laughs> it was an exciting day kidnapped. on the secret Discord. <laughs> you yeah. Well, you were announced. I'm not sure you're inducted until you beg for the next release like five times. <laughs> That's fair. I was really <laughs> nervous when I joined because I was like, when do I get to do that? <laughs> Is it rude to do it like the first day I'm here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's wait a few days. You'll get your chance. I was terrified. I already did it, don't worry. <laughs> Just uh, chime in right after James Beck does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had James on the program, too. We love James. James is great. Okay. He just talks. Enthusiasm. He's great. Yeah, exactly. You have released a couple really interesting pieces of content, volumes, books, pamphlets, whatever you want to call them. They are orc-themed um, due to, I, I imagine, you're looking at some tie-in for the ORC pending licensure from Paizo. Uh, we have a slate of character options that are all orc-themed, as in the toothy green skin guys and gals. And all in between. And also, we have a very, very interesting... Uh, adventure that I really like the way it's structured. It's very much different. It's not like a linear adventure. It's built into bits of blocks that can be grabbed and shoved into various adventures. Um, so, so I want y'all to tell me a little bit about um, first, I guess, what brought you all together to do this content? <laughs> like, first of all, what was the impetus for you to all work together on making this? So, I mean, it was literally on January 12th when Paizo made the orc announcement. I mean, I think I was just yelling orc, orc, orc all over half the internet with a bunch of people. We even opened up a Reddit chat to just like scream orc stuff. We were so excited. And um, so I just double checked the transcript on the 13th. So the day after, maybe it was midnight. I don't remember. We said, like, let's do something about orcs. And enough other people thought it was a good idea. And I was surprised just. Everybody was enthusiastic about it because it it wasn't just about, you know, hey, Orcs, a funny play on it, but just what Paizo, you know, stepped up and was willing to do, you know, with Wizards faffing around and mm -hmm. <laughs> with, with Wizards um, messing around. And um, so it was the community aspect, too. And I think I hoped we got that across because this wasn't just about, you know, loving, you know, our big green toothy Orcs but what a community can do together. I mean, I'll be real. That's, you know, like, not to toot my own horn, but when I was making the art, I was definitely, that's where my brain was at. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were up in arms as a community. <laughs> we really were. But yeah, the, the message was community. Orc was just the, the background, the theme to it. Mm -hmm. But the core of it was community. And you can see that thread going all the way through the character options is community the the options for like the archetypes have various options that are are related specifically to community and aid actions and all that wonderful extra mechanics to go with the flavor of community it's definitely visible and right in your face as soon as you start thumbing through the pages i'm glad that came across 
There's also a few uh, little fun play on the real world events. So there's also a little bit of legal <laughs> themes in there. Uh, there's a lawful neutral champion cause. There's things related to legal lore, things like that. And so there's it's kind of the thing where uh, we hope it's evergreen and we hope that people always find this resonates. But there's also enough sprinkled in that if you were there, you understand what the references are. This was a, you know, a momentous day in gaming. I mean, I've been involved in mm-hmm. the industry for decades, and there has never been anything like this with the whole shakedown of the open gaming license and then the major players going dead silent and speculation. And then, you know, finally, you know, Paizo came out and, okay, we can't wait anymore. And, you know, it's it's a wonderful community. And it goes back to role-playing game roots of, mm-hmm. you know, people. Th- this entire industry was founded by people that did not fit in. The people that were not jocks. The people that were not popular. The people that did not have a lot of friends. And all of these people banded together with these games. And even then, they were still persecuted by their families. There's something wrong with them. They're devil worshipping. They're doing all of this stuff. And it's, you know what? It, It never let up. And finally, now that you're at this point where this has become mainstream and it's you know it's taken decades to get here but it it was it's still awe-inspiring to see that there is a community of this and how passionate they all are and you know there there are so many fine folks that work at wizards that can't say anything that were mm-hmm. you know afraid for their own jobs and so i don't ever mm-hmm. want people to you know start you know, start trashing on Wizards employees or things like that, because no. these are people that so many of those people, like everyone here on this podcast, they're trying to fulfill their dreams. And so many of those people have. And I, I certainly want to give a shout out to those people that, you know what, we know the situation you're in. And it was probably an awful time for you guys, as well as everyone. But to have something really cool like this come out of it is is phenomenal. And we always like to tell people, our our listeners of, you know, we we really recommend this product. Well, all of these people here, we would always recommend all of their products. So by by no means do we need to keep touting everything that they have done in this. And we want to give them all time to talk about what it is they've made and the inspiration behind it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think community is definitely like. I mean, obviously, like just for this product, for the orc themed stuff, obviously is a big thing. But sort of like what you were saying, in general, like with the tabletop community, it's an important thing. And I think especially for me personally, as uh, a gay man, like Pathfinder in particular has been a very welcoming environment. And in particular, that community has been one that I have been very happy to be a part of and sort of over time kind of grow more and more involved with as I've started to make things for it. And I hope that that can continue as I kind of contribute more, hopefully in the future in, you know, with some of these collaborative projects and such. Well, I suspect that you will probably have a long and fruitful endeavor in all of this. Uh, the, the artwork in here is, is great. I, I oh, loved it. Wonderful. I, yeah, I. We're not letting you go. <laughs> you're, you're stuck here now. <laughs> yeah. No, we all work together and do what we can. But yeah, yeah no, we love having as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, art doesn't grow on trees. 
20 yeah. dollars. <laughs> me and Micah got to make some cool stuff for this, and obviously there's some lovely, uh, you know, artwork in there as well that is, uh, what is it called? Royalty free stock images, whatever. I don't oh, know. Stock, <laughs> stock images. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shutterstock is kind yeah. of my go-to for um, images right now. I actually got a little nervous when I saw they were getting into AI art, but it looks like. They're claiming that they are paying their artists. I'm still not going to use it. You know, everything that's going on mm-hmm. in general and, you know, the rulings. But still, it sounds like they might be trying to do the most ethical model I've seen. So, yeah, I'm saying I'm not using AIR, but Shutterstock still has traditional pieces, or at least they did when I bought all those like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, no, that's valid. I The irony of me being like the artist over here being like, I don't know anything about that. I don't know how, like, you go about looking for those things because I just sit in the corner and I draw my funny little pictures and then I just That's put it right wonderful. in the product and I don't have to worry about like, I don't have to worry about going on a website and being like, can I use this? I'm like, no, I made it. I can use this. <laughs> <laughs> so I suspect we have a, a bunch of listeners right now and they're actually probably pretty curious. What exactly is in this book? Orcs. Or these books as it would be. Oh, oh yes, there is. What, what is it? <laughs> That's a good point. You guys really did kind of put a we little bit of everything in there. 13 minutes in. Took us only 13 minutes this time <laughs> to like yeah, get to what is this thing. Yeah. Don't forget the title. <laughs> nothing, oh, yeah. Nothing will, ever, nothing will ever. We're going to have to cut this, but nothing will ever be as bad as what? <laughs> first, first How far is it? 28 oh. minutes. 28 yeah, minutes before we mentioned the name of it. We all, we all said them went, oh, wait, have we said, that's right. Have we said the name of the book? Yeah. <laughs> Have we? <laughs> the answer was no. We haven't <laughs> here either. So yeah, what oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you What exactly okay, so, are we talking about? You wonderful, wonderful people. You. We we're talking about two books. Actually, they started as one, but they got pretty big. So orcs strong together is what we call our player options, and new orcs on the block is the uh, adventures or the several blocks that you can put together. And that is 100% my fault for having to have two books, because I was the one who said, hey, what if we did, like, a tack-on adventure? And like we talked about last time I was here, I can't write things small. So the no. adventure spawned <laughs> off into its own volume. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, it sounds like, oh, yeah, we'll just add a little adventure. But then you, like, remember that, like, oh, yeah, writing an adventure is, like, a whole long process. There's a lot. <laughs> Even a small, like, one shot is, like, a pretty yeah. long process for something like this. Well, it's funny, we were looking at Dark Archive and that model, which is, it's really about five pages for different those mm-hmm. things, and we went over those five pages most times, yeah. and yeah, a little bit of art did it, but they had a little bit of art, too, and, you know, mm-hmm. all the subsystems, you know, Brian's like, I want to do a subsystem, and, you know, when we decided the, the themes of the community, the elections, I, I love this election subsystem, I want to see where else we can use it. I, I agree with that, I, I think that... <laughs> sort of uh, emulating what they did with Dark Archives, where we put a little, like, tie-in adventure was was fun. And I honestly, if we do another project, I would love to be involved with that because I have so many ideas. <laughs> so the adventure, and, and anybody jump in and correct me if I get any of these key points incorrect, um, because there's a lot here. There's a lot to, to, to take in. And it kind of spans the gamut from very small scale up to, you know, regional importance, right? So it starts as, back to this core theme of community, a community of orc laborers that are 
seeking to have their community inside of a larger town legitimized as a specific district. And to that end, they are organizing behind various candidates for the town council. And that is where your subsystem for electioneering takes place in the first block is what you call them. The blocks are able to be inserted at various levels. I think there's a three, a five, a seven, uh, 11 and a 13. Nine and 11. Is it? Uh, nine, nine and 11. 11. So Sorry. it nine ends 11. at 11 so that if you want to slot this into your Abomination Vaults adventure, you're doing that last <laughs> election right after you finish uh, the Abomination Vaults. Right. And and it starts, like I said, very, very small scope. There's a, a specific town, or I'm sorry, a specific camp, essentially, outside of a town of orcs that were laborers, uh, craftsmen, uh, lumbermen, and women uh, that are being taken advantage of. And they are trying to get legitimized as an actual part of the town so they can get that sort of protection and benefit from being part of the town. They're trying to, uh, there's a latent union movement and a lot of pro-union, pro-worker tones throughout this, which I absolutely dig. It's awesome. Um, So so tell me a little bit about that. It's, It's a very cool thing to be able to take essentially political intrigue and drop it into another adventure because that is not an easy thing to accomplish and it looks like you've done it pretty well here well thanks the the hardest part was finding the setting and i think helen and i took about an hour in our first meeting just to identify (laughs) where we're going to locate this um we settled on isle of cortos pretty early because we said well we want people to be able to we were inspired by the dark archive structure which for listeners who don't know um has these little adventure vignettes spaced throughout the book, where it's not a full level worth of XP. You can just drop these basically as side quests into your main campaign. Um, Or you can just say, we're going to play this adventure and you level up when you need to level up, but we won't track XP. Um, And so we pretty early on settled on Isle of Cortos because Paizo has made this concerted effort to have all these adventures, like the beginner's box, um, uh, Agents of Edgewatch, Extinction Curse, Abomination Vaults that take place on this central island in, in or around Absalom, the city at the center of the world. And so we said, okay, what's a location that hasn't been well developed? And early on, we found Maravon, the lumber capital of the Isle of Cortos, didn't have a stat block, didn't have a map, didn't have any adventures that take place there. And yet it has this economic importance with the lumber industry directly tying to Extinction Curse and Abomination Vaults. And we said, okay, Maravon is our Mm -hmm. place. And so we wanted to tie that into, well, there's going to be orcs. Obviously, the orcs are lumberjacks, because what else would they be here? And Axide was born. I don't remember when we came up with Axide as the name of the town, but (laughs) once we figured that out, that that basically stuck. Yeah. It was pretty early on, because the first draft I read, you had Axide, and I read pretty early on. As I was skim reading it. Brian and I did a lot of, I mean, we were doing a lot of spitballing and we met like real time several times before we really started putting, I felt like, you know, the actual adventure blocks together. And I at least found it useful, although Brian really did the bulk of finishing it, but it felt like we had had that chance to flush everything out, find all the uh, Easter eggs we wanted to put in and find all the content we wanted to, because we tried to find wherever we could weave in the products people were working on. Um, 
But take a close look at that candidate list. I want people to be guessing who those are inspired from, because I'm not sure. I think there's only like maybe three that doesn't have an inspiration. <laughs> so the 13 candidates Ellen's talking about, uh, you can find them in the player's guide. So we actually have That's a true. That's third free. book because, of course, we made a player's guide. Uh, but also GMs can find even more information on these candidates because depending on who you get elected to the town council, you get a special benefit for your party about maybe an item that becomes available or a service that gets unlocked or a bonus every time you roll initiative because you're so inspired by their stories. Um, because we wanted that to actually impact your main campaign. So it's not, well, it's time to go babysit the orcs again, I guess, at the end of an odd level. It really does become part of your adventure. And so if you look at those, there's there's 13 candidates that you get to help elect, I think, five slots on the mm-hmm. town council. So if you do your combinatorics, that's 13 choose five possibilities at the end of the adventure of what Maravon looks like. So each group is going to have a different outcome of what the end result looks like. Yeah, just imagine if we did the uh, the side issues too. Like there's a whole other table of these are quicker vignettes you could do. Yeah. Design space, right? You gotta gotta let them look yeah. for more, right? Mm-hmm. Gotta fill out that post eleven content too. Just yeah, oh my god, <laughs> push it on. <laughs> well, we'll see what we're working on next. I'm not sure if we've decided the levels, but it's a we have not. That's worth thinking about. <laughs> we are all so taking some, a breather, or at least I am. So something I really liked about this list of candidates. Um, I know you said that they were, you know, they're, they're at least loosely inspired on potentially real people, but I really like how these definitely look like candidates for a local election in whatever <laughs> town you live in. 100%. You've got, um, you've got people that are, you know, oh, well, I've been a headmaster in a school for a while. I should be able to lead these slack-jawed yokels. And you got somebody that thinks it's going to be a great opportunity for their business. And you've got people that legitimately want to help people in here interspersed. You have people that are career civil servants. You have people that are lawyers. You've got business owners. You've got uh, law enforcement. It's definitely a rogues gallery of every town's uh, city council or town council elections. Absolutely. Like this is, this is the top 13 candidates that get winnowed down to five <laughs> right before the yeah. election. 100%. It feels real to me at least. And Helen and I are are playing through the adventure right now with mm-hmm. uh, our friends over at Team Plus. So we're doing an, an actual play recording of this as a as a demo for folks over on the We're Strong Together YouTube channel. Um, and one of the most fun pieces of the role play is these four players in character talking about who they're going to support, and just the. The, the character development there for both these PCs and then their associated NPCs that they're fans <laughs> of is just such a neat, like, emergent yeah, property developing. that's come out. So now going to the Orc Strong Together options, the character options. There is stuff that runs the gamut. We've got companions. There's monsters in here. We've got champion causes, uh, which is really cool. It's always nice to see more champion causes. Uh, there's bolt gunslinger options, which, you know, gunslingers are still starved for something that feels unique per class. And the one that's in here feels super duper unique to me. Um, But you know what? I want to go take a look at something a little bit more familiar to people that have listened to our show uh, because John made some more bloodlines to add to how many that you've already published. I mean, 
Buddy, you sound now, like a one-trick pony now. What's up? Yeah, I've, I've been typecast. It's the simple truth. Uh, there's 22 bloodlines. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wrote two more for this. Um, I, then, I then wrote some equipment to be different. But, yes, yes I, I started off writing bloodlines again. <laughs> Eventually, I'll run out of them. This is great. I'm not like other bloodlines. I really, really dig the orc bloodline because it feels so orcish. Like you essentially give somebody else orc ferocity as your minor power. It is so, so cool. That first focus is called bloody, but unbowed target immediately gains 2d8 temporary hit points. And the trigger is an ally takes damage that will reduce them to zero hit points. And you can do it as long as you have a focus point. Holy crap that is so fun and so good and not overpowered it's only 2d8 temp hp it's a little bit better than orc ferocity uh needs a focus point though so you got to keep one in the tank to make sure that you're not gonna (laughs) not gonna have trouble super super cool i was designing the orc bloodline and i just knew right it's community it is your own ferocity, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. The orc people in Galarian do not bow. <laughs> but what happened with Urgir and the Whispering Tyrant? Whispering Tyrant comes back, I'm the big bad of Galarian. You guys used to work for me, work for me again. No. No. Up yours. Uh, no way am I doing this. We're, we're happy with our, our country. Go away. And I was like, this, I've got to put this in somehow. And Bloody mm-hmm. But Unbowed was the first way to put it in. If you've got someone who's inherited the very essence of that spirit, you ain't going down. You're in it for the long haul, and you're ready, ready to fight for it. Also known as the yeah. stubborn bloodline. and the other two focus spells are very much like that as well um you have one that's essentially um battle cry right so it's a focus point you um you everything in 30 feet you're attempting to demoralize it essentially um and all of the allies that are in that same animation emanation gain temp hp equal to your level you give that raw and it just turns the battle you invigorate your allies and all your enemies go I am not being paid enough for this. <laughs> I don't want to be here. So I feel like the Vigilant Bloodline is, this is the other bloodline that's in here, is directly influenced by some specific golem who may rename, may, may, re, who is going to remain nameless <laughs> for now. You actually, you actually said his name. I did? Vigilant? Yeah. It's Vigilant. Vigilant, Vigilant. right? No. Wait, am I just slow, or is that actually like, does it actually have a name and I didn't know? It's just it's called Vigilant here, but is it actually called is the Paizo Goblin that, that Goblin? Is, yeah. is yes. the Paizo Goblin mm-hmm, yeah. actually called Vigilant? That is yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. either. T I L. I I didn't until people were like, oh, John, go write us a bloodline. Let's <laughs> inspire it by Paizo's Golem. And I was like, okay, but what do I call it? I'm not gonna call it the Golem Bloodline. It's gotta be more specific. We gotta get this right. And someone goes, Well, then they're called Vigilant. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I this. Vigilant had a stat block in first edition. I did not know that. But gosh, we went back and forth, I think, like near the end about how much we wanted to make that clear or not. Like, yeah. We're like, yeah, do we, you're like, do we do pictures? Do we do text? Right? 
but it was fun to write. Wasn't obvious enough to me, but I mean, if if this this is like obscure Paizo lore, I bet you that 80% of people looking at this would have no idea that Vigilant is actually the canonical name of the really? Paizo Golem. Well, now they do. Put in that tweet. There was a tweet going around today about uh, obscure Paizo lore. Let's do it. Cool, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Nets was asking that. So, once again, community community is is big time focus in fact the first focus point is called community spirit it's a resistance to mental damage uh for things within the emanation uh prosperity from chaos really really strikes at the heart of the whole thing that brought the orc uh the orc out is you know uh calling upon the opportunity of failure select one other ally within 30 feet and they gain a benefit I mean, how much more on the nose can you be, John? <laughs> Scraping the bottom of the barrel for creative <laughs> ideas. Bottom of the barrel, really I expect... call it the obvious golden goose. Because <laughs> 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 everyone reads this, they know exactly what it's about, and they laugh. <laughs> I've got them. That's it. I read knowledge of the source, and all I can hear is Aslan saying, don't quote the deep magics to me, which... That's... <laughs> that's... That's all I think of when I can see that's the the level five focus spell is knowledge of the source. Something central to your world, a deity, a monster, an unknown pantheon. You cannot be certain, but their knowledge seeps into you. I had an opportunity to write a bloodline that represented effectively the fundamental force of the Pathfinder universe. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. going to use it for everything it's worth. It deserves it. It's vigilant. I, I will probably never write a bloodline for anything as theoretically powerful as the Vigilant. <laughs> it's, it's really neat. It's got a very good thematic core to it as well. I, I really like it. Yes. I mean, we got summoner options. Christian, you'd be down for this. We got Eidolons. Oh, yes. <laughs> I saw that. The, the revolutionary Phantom Eidolon looked very cool. We also have some Drake archetypes that seem really cool. We got a couple new animal companions, and I do love salmoners, and I do love animal companions. So <laughs> I see you got a couple actually archetypes. They look like they kind of feed off each other. You know, one starts at second level, and then another one picks up at eighth level. So no, we're really lucky that Avery wanted to bring this in. I I think it was something that they were already working on, and we're mm-hmm. like, oh, orcs Drake riding. Like I think. It, even like Louise had sent something recently on Twitter to that effect. We're like, let's bring this concept in. So it was, it was just great to see how it evolved and what form we got. But yeah, I think Avery was working on this for a while and you can see it. It's just, it's so fun. I want to, I want to write it. Who doesn't want to drink? I really like how it was split into two distinct archetypes rather than just being one massive one, because it makes sure that you're, actually investing in it fully right (laughs) to be able like it it picks up at eight after having you know feats for second fourth sixth and there's a couple Uh i think in there for each um for fourth and sixth Uh but you cannot pick that archetype unless you already have the previous one so it's not like somebody could you know (laughs) <laughs> bum rush uh all the way up to sixth level and then have a mature animal companion and then get savage immediately because that would be broken and op mm-hmm. i love it though um because it also allows you to pick up another archetype in the middle and allow some more design freedom for a character as well rather than just having it okay you're a drake rider you have to be a drake rider well you can go up to six then you can grab something else pick and choose and still get the real meat and potatoes of it which to me is getting that savage or um 
I forgot what the other qualif- classification is because I'm not an animal companion person uh, with is my villains. Nimble? Nimble. Nimble. Yeah, nimble. 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 Savage. Just jumping right on to one of those immediately. Um, and I think there's like, what, like three others now too? <laughs> probably. <laughs> cunning. And, you know, there's a couple ones like that. I saw this and I'm like, oh, what if we, you know, you could take Rear and combine it with some of the other ones that are companion focused. Like uh, I did work on Impossible Lands Plus and, you know, there's the Flesh Forge Tamer that mixes things up. And I'm like, I could get all the Drakes by doing that, by dipping a little bit into Drake Rear and that. Just I'll just pick what Drake I want and put them back together again. That sounds so messed up. <laughs> just, just, a, just a little bit of experimenting on natural life as a treat <laughs> i'm gonna go back to dipping into old standards here um brian you were our i think you were our actual first guest on the show our very first guest and i think john was our second guest on the show wow. uh, but when we when we had you on we were talking about ink finder and as we got towards the end, we were talking about how, you know, tattoos don't have to be tattoos. There's ritual scarification among the uh, orc holds Belkson. Saranites ritualistically burn themselves. You know, they could be whatever. And you took that design idea and dove right into it by adding scar tattoos in here that have a completely new trait to them called Scar. I want you to tell us a little bit about that because the mechanic behind this is really neat, I think. Yeah, so when a tattoo has the Scar trait, uh, I've added an injury requirement. So this is almost like a prerequisite or an access for the tattoo. It basically is some injury or some wound that your character received. So, for example, um, one of the first ones I came up with was the, the first level item Uh, First blood, the injury is you fell unconscious to a critical hit as a first level creature. And it's really specific, but it's something that nearly every player experiences at some point. And so chances are, if you've played Pathfinder at first level, you probably qualify for it. And so the effect of that tattoo, it's super specific in terms of how you get access to it, but the effect of it is based on that. And so the activation for that first blood tattoo is, okay, you fall unconscious due to a critical hit. Well, once per day when that happens, instead of your dying condition going to two, it goes to one because you're saying, not again, right? Your tattoo is is protecting you there. And so the in-world, the idea is that the orcs are valuing their wounds because it helps make them who they are. It helps tell their story. And so as they get a scar from that first blood or from getting engulfed by a creature, or by getting uh, pinned by a by a ranged attack, um, they are celebrating that. They are telling that story by making a tattoo around the scar that actually incorporates the scar into the tattoo. Um, and since that's kind of specific, and you're not necessarily going to say, "Ooh, I have this injury. Somebody, please go take the tattoo artist's feet and then go get this formula." I actually made it so that these don't have a formula. It's really a design that the crafter improvises. And so if you meet the feet or the training requirements, because I've made a couple of pathways to get in there, uh, you can actually just improv this onto someone's wound like the next day while you're treating their wound. Say, I stitched that up for you. And oh, by the way, you've got a tattoo now. Right. It says specifically any creature who's a master in medicine can just improvise it using the craft activity, using medicine instead of crafting. It's the end of that first paragraph. 
Um, and it's just too cool. These are like aftermath feats that have requirements that are a lot more pedestrian. I mean, who hasn't fought a gibbering mouther and been engulfed? Like, really? <laughs> Come on. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who who hasn't, like you said, went down on first level for to to a crit? I mean, I mean, I think it's happened to three of my characters at this point. I I know me. I know me. Do it. Christian hit me with a crit hazard in like the second encounter (laughs) of Fall of Plague Stone. I just ate that sucker. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's uh, that's, and so there's there's six of these scar tattoos in Orc Strong together, uh, and you can probably expect to see more of those in the future. Now that I've established this design space, I'm really Mm -hmm. curious to like see what else can come out of that. Scarfinder when. Uh, probably after Ink Finder 2. And yes, I said that on the air. <laughs> Ink Finder 2. Okay. I'll, Call me. I'll, there you Call go. me. Call me when it's ready. I'm excited. Let's just say <laughs> let's just say this. There are going to be 54 tattoos. Oh wow. And if you can identify where the number 54 is significant, you know what the book is about. Ah. Ink Finder 2, Electric Boogaloo, live from Studio 54. <laughs> I want to talk about one more thing from this and then I will shut up and let you guys talk as much as you want again, because this is really cool. This is another one of those mechanical additions. And it just so happens that two of you on the call contributed to the weapons section. And we've got some new weapon traits and Stark is cool. Overwhelm is cool, but multi-grip is really cool. It's like versatile, but makes more sense in my mind. Like, <laughs> like the, uh, the, 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 what is it? The, the, the gnome pick multi pick or whatever mm-hmm. it's oh, called. Yeah. That, that should have been a multi-grip weapon, but essentially what it does is instead of just being versatile with your damage type, it's essentially versatile using traits so something can be you know agile sweep trip disarm non-lethal trip backswing forceful shove sweep and you can pick and choose exactly what you need for your situation uh, because traits to me are a lot more important than just the damage types Mm -hmm. nine times out of ten yes and this was a really really neat way and a cool way to open up more design space to any of you wonderful designers out there that want to uh, design some weapons. I'm sure nobody on this call would cry if you decided to use the multi-grip trait in your content. Thank you. I don't think so. No, seems it's open to me. I'd say just reference it in your section 15, but hopefully soon enough we'll have uh, orc formatting instead. And and one more thing, you brought the orc hornbow back to its former glory from one yeah. e. <laughs> so good. We got a D10 brutal bow with fatal d12 and propulsive i know what i'm making for my next character for our west marches game christian i had a duty (laughs) you did you adjudicated it well friend yeah it didn't exist and frankly that was a travesty because that was everyone's favorite ranged weapon in (laughs) 1e and i just had to bring it back and i believe I could be wrong on this. I believe it is the first weapon available to a PC that has the brutal trait. It's a trait that exists. Yep. 
you say that. I did not recognize the trait when I was reading through this. I had to go look for it. Ah. Yeah, it exists, <laughs> but it, it was only under giants in the bestiary. <laughs> I think the only time that I saw it was in the kineticist playtest, I think, was like mm. the brutal trait got brought up. I think. That oh. rings a bell. That might have it been might have. there. But it was that long ago. It's not yet. <laughs> no, we've got to wait for Rage of the Elements. But no, so yeah, you're right. I, it, it just wasn't there, and I was like, this, this thing uses strength. And it's martial. Oh my god. And it's reload one. Yes. So good. I love it. Um, big range. It's nice and heavy to offset the fact that it's big damage. Uh, yeah. And I like it. Big volume like range. It. That's, that's, that's really neat. I think it's cool. And I'm glad it's back. I'm so happy that you brought it back. Thank you, John. Thank you from all of the Strength Boy <laughs> Rangers out there that want a ranged propulsive weapon that doesn't suck. Thank you. You're welcome. Please enjoy. <laughs> I need to swing back to multi-grip for a moment. Do uh, it. Huge shout-outs to Avery, who is doing our foundry development. They mm. figured out a way to implement this, because, you know, it is more appropriate than a versatile, but that's a lot easier to just kind of switch on and off. And I think they even said, maybe not elegant. I'm like, no, that was great. They were playing with some sort of picker tool, and it was it's just very great to see in the module. So you got your electronic tools to support you that way too. Mm-hmm. So is the Foundry support out yet or is it coming at some date in the future? Foundry's out for player's guide. And it is coming for the adventure. Yeah, I know they're working on the uh, the adventure, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep, work in progress. Very neat. Well, this all sounds like a, a lot of great information. You know, the stuff we've covered here, very cool and very exciting. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably curious, uh, what's this going to cost them? And exactly what are they going to, to get with this? You guys mentioned you have a, a book or two and there's a lot of options in here. So why don't we let them know? So if you want to be just the player route or just the GM route, each of them sell for, you know, $10.999, but you can get both together for 15. So it's selling for 750. And if you're going to be a player for the campaign, we do have a separate player's guide. It's pay what you want. You don't have to do anything. Tip jars open, which goes over the gazetteer for Maravon, the candidate information that, you know, is not spoiler worthy. And the actually the backgrounds for the campaign, which were actually, you know, fun to write in spitball. How can we tie these characters in even more? So real quick with the people that are here, I want to go around the table real quick and let you plug your own stuff because I know you are all infinite masters. And while you have let your powers combine on this occasion, you all have your own thing that you are doing and you are working on, you have made. So I'm going to start with Brian because you are top left in my screen. (laughs) Tell our listeners what else you got out there. Uh, what you're, you're, you're excited for them to check out and uh, where they can find more stuff about you. So we talked about Ink Finder at length, so I'll let that pass. But uh, if, you're, if you liked the adventure uh, that, I, that I drafted for, uh, for this product, uh, I also have a series of shorter adventures out set in the Impossible Lands called Impossible Experiments, currently out for first through third level. And I'm hoping to write more now that this... Uh, Endeavor has wrapped up to get back to that so I can get on to the fourth level adventure there. Uh, But you can find me on Twitter at WBrianLane or on Mastodon at LionsBrain at Dice.Camp. 
Very cool. Excellent. Now we are going to go to Connor because you are next in the round. Howdy, robin. Howdy. You've been too quiet for too long and I need to hear that voice. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, everybody did a lot of really good stuff here. Um, yeah, no. So my name is Connor Burkheiser, as I've already gone over. And uh, if you're looking for any of the stuff that I've made on Pathfinder Infinite, um, you can find it under that name. So far, I've only made two things, uh, Cooking Unleashed and Minotaurs Unleashed. One was more of an expansion for alchemical stuff and with, you know, Treasure Vault adding alchemical food items. And the other one was uh, just me wanting to add a Minotaur ancestry. And, you know, it was like my first, I don't want to say like breakout product, but it's like an Electrum bestseller. And I've, it took, I don't know, like maybe a month and a half to get there. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm very, very honored. You should be um, If you need to find me elsewhere, um, even though my name uh, is Connor Burkheiser uh, on Pathfinder Infinite, um, the username that I typically go by in other places like Twitter and Instagram is uh, Lonesome Chunk Forty Four or Lonesome Chunk, um, which is also coincidentally like linked on the uh, the PDFs themselves and such. But yeah, no, thank you for having me. I really am excited. <laughs> Ex- excellent work getting all of that stuff. I, I have dice older than you, so very good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. oh. I, I gotta say, anybody who's thinking of doing this, um, try to get into it with a friend, maybe, because um, I'm stubborn, and I do, like, everything myself. Like, the layout, the writing, the art, the foundry, like, the path builder integration. Like, I've been doing basically everything myself for the Galarian Unleashed products, because I'm really stubborn, and I was like, I want to show off what I can do. And it was... <laughs> it's been a very valuable experience, but also a lot. <laughs> yeah. Hard agree. So, Helen, tell us a little bit about what you've got out there and in the fire i'm probably uh most well known for co-author of vellum and lace which is uh one of the fiction uh we have on pathfinder infinite right now and uh the origami folder because i am a paper ninja i do want to do uh more item things i really love uh crafty stuff so i also have the uh i did a thaumaturge supplement on how to use different metals for things. And it's on DriveThruRPG. I also have the consummate consumer because I just want to use all the new items in Treasure Vault. So I was selfish and wrote an archetype that will let me do that. Very, very cool. I'm really into I'm really into high usage of items. It's something we've talked about at length, both in and out of show, is is how much I really like consumables and how they're underutilized by people last but not least and it's only just because we keep talking to you and i already know (laughs) i was gonna say i feel it's actually out of character for us to mention the name of his products that's true (laughs) we we just cut here we just cut here right just gonna bleep out whatever he says yeah (laughs) okay so obviously it's john holmes you can find me as the parlor poet pretty much anywhere uh, Twitter, Reddit, it's me. Now, as for products, it's the Galarian Unseen line. So at the minute, that's Bloodlines, obviously Sorcerer Bloodlines, to your heart's content. Then I've got two books on relics, Relics of Power and Relics of Wrath. Relics of Power doubles the previous amount of relic powers in the game, and then Relics of Wrath adds 10 
more themes and <laughs> over a hundred and more powers because apparently I went crazy on this. Um, Bloodlines has full foundry support and it has incoming path builder support. Mm. And I am currently working on a fourth unseen book, Ancestries. So stay tuned for that. You can never have too many ancestries. They're kind of the. (laughs) It doesn't matter. You could have a hundred. The only thing that to me does sometimes get a little muddled is when you're like, how many sentient races are on this rock? Like, (laughs) there's like a couple hundred at this point. It's a special (laughs) place. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap us up for today. It was such a pleasure to talk with all of you. And what a great inspiration product that you guys have put together in one of the most momentous things that have come in gaming in a very long time. So it was an honor to talk with all of you guys. And this is an awesome product. And I highly recommend it to all of you listeners out there. You're going to have a lot of fun with this. So uh, that about wraps us up for today. I'm Christian. And I'm Trevor. And you all have a great week. Stay strong together. Bye, y'all.